Well, good morning. Glad you're here with us this morning. I want you to think about the fact that in North Florida, we experience what we call scattered showers, right? Well, in a very different way and for a much greater reason, we are excited today because today will not be scattered showers, but a saturation of the gospel as we get to share in a couple thousand bags this evening being passed out in this community and it's happening all around the city in these days where over these few days, every home in this city, 600,000 homes will have the gospel delivered to them through material hung on their door. And so that is a saturation. And I, I just am grateful for that. I'm grateful for those who are serving, those who are sharing in that ministry tonight. And I want us to do something. I want us to pray, but in a unique way. With your eyes open, I want you to think about the people who live on the street that God has placed you. Maybe to the right, to the left, directly across, to Agnell. Maybe your setup's a little different on a cul-de-sac. Just think about the people that God has placed around you, and specifically, anybody who is on your street who is not yet in relationship with the Lord, as you know. Maybe you're not sure, so you can pray for them if you're not sure. But with them in mind, uh, I want you to Take a moment. The guys are receiving the offering. Sorry. <laughs> um, as they're receiving the offering, I want you to pray for those neighbors. And so, Lord, thank you for the folks you've placed on Jackie and I street. And I ask that you would be at work in their hearts. You'd be at work in the hearts of the neighbors represented in this third hour. Pray that we would live out our faith, Father, in a way that they would see our good works and glorify you. They would not only hear the gospel, but they'd see the gospel lived out that our eyes, Lord Jesus, would be, as you said to your disciples, our eyes would be lifted up and to see the ripened fields around us so that hearing they might believe and be born again. By your grace and power, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, was that a little weird for you? Like, is he praying or talking right now? I'm so confused. Well, a little preview. Next week, we'll be looking at the scripture, pray without ceasing, which will involve what? Hopefully some prayer while your eyes are open. Otherwise, we've got other serious problems we need to talk about. So that's a, that's a little preview, but we're not there yet. Rather, uh, would you take your Bible and open with me to 1 Thess chapter 5? Uh, we are in a broader series in these final two chapters in this letter that Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, where he has said to them, I want you to excel still more. He acknowledged they were pleasing the Lord, but he was acknowledging that they could please the Lord more, uh, more in the sense of more often and in the sense of more ways. And so it's been hopefully an encouragement and a challenge to each one of us as we have looked at these scriptures of how we might live lives excelling even more in pleasing the Lord. The last seven weeks, we have looked in chapter five and seen seven essentials for how we would relate to one another so that we would excel in spiritual health as a local church. And now we're going to make a shift in a different direction in these final verses in First Thess chapter 5. So if you'll look with me at verses 16 through 22, I've listed them not according to verse, but according to the command that these verses unfold. So you can follow along in your Bible. You can see how I have listed them. First, that's five. And I want you to notice what's the change from 
horizontal, how we relate to one another in spiritual health to this new direction. He says, verse 16, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances, but examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. And then we get the benediction. So, what's the change? How's that different than what we've seen the last seven weeks in terms of horizontal spiritual health? What are these verses 16 through 22 addressing? Do you see it? They're addressing not the horizontal, they're addressing the vertical. They're addressing your relationship with the Lord, my relationship with the Lord, and how we will excel still more in joy in prayer, in thanksgiving, in walking in the spirit, in receiving the word, and in holding fast to that which is true. It's all about this. So I want to just set us up. We're not going to look at all that this morning. You know, we don't cover that much scripture in here. We're going to actually look at two words this morning. Rejoice always, but see the big picture. Because I want to encourage you, in the next six weeks to come prepared to really think about your relationship with God, your personal walk with Jesus as it works itself out in daily life at home and at work and with your neighbors that we just prayed for. Because these are all about our vertical relationship. So that's where we're headed. With that in mind, let's take our Bible in hand and let's declare what we believe about the scriptures and our readiness to respond to it together. Say it with me. This is God's word, his heart revealed. I humbly declare his ways are higher than my ways and his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. I will not lean on my own understanding, but incline my heart now to receive his word so that I may excel still more in filling the earth with his glory by walking in his truth and loving all people as he has loved me, all right? So, you understand, this morning, we're gonna talk about filling the earth with the glory of God by doing what? Rejoicing always. I want you to remember that because we're gonna declare something in song at the end that's gonna talk about glorifying God. And one of the ways we glorify God is we rejoice always. So flip it and maybe for the first time think of it this way. When I refuse to rejoice always, I am not glorifying God. Actually, I'm dishonoring the Lord when I don't rejoice always. Now, let's keep this real. The car didn't start. Praise the Lord. You're sitting on the stoplight and somebody parks in your trunk. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Is that normal? No, that is not normal. And so, because it seems so abnormal, when we read something like rejoice always, we think, well, there must be something like in the Greek text that that doesn't really mean Rejoice when the car doesn't start. And so, let me tell you what the words mean in the original language. Rejoice means to be glad. And always means at all times. Does that help you? No, that doesn't help you. That doesn't let you off the hook. In other words, when he says rejoice always... The scripture is saying, glorify God by being glad at all times. Well, that's, that's crazy. It seems crazy. Why would I rejoice always? Why would I be glad at all times? There must be something in the, the 
Mideastern culture that tells us that that's not really what it means. But there's no cultural or language relief here. You see, what's normal is this. Psalm 18 is normal. Psalm 18, verse 49, the psalmist says, Therefore I will give thanks to you among the nations, O Lord, and I will sing praises to your name. So he is doing what we're talking about, being glad. But why? What's the therefore therefore? Well, if you go to the previous verse, I will sing praise because he delivers me from my enemies. Surely you lift me above those who rise up against me. You rescue me from the violent man. Praise the Lord. Right? Now, is that normal? Yeah, come on, folks. That's normal. That's when everybody praises the Lord. When God gives it to you the way you wanted to do it, when you get rescued, praise the Lord. When you get delivered, thank you, Jesus. But that's Psalm 18, joy. First Thess 5 joy is a at all times. Therefore, it's only going to be part of our life it's only going to become real to us when we recognize that to rejoice always is an act of faith in the Lord. Now, don't blow by that. It is genuinely an act of faith in the Lord. Now, when I say that, what's the opposite of living by faith? It's living by, by sight. In other words, what I see. And so when I see God do what I want God to do, then I go, way to go, God. You're awesome. Let's, let's sing together. But when I see God do something that I didn't want and it doesn't seem good and I didn't like, then we go, I'll praise him when he does what I think he should do. No faith in that. That's living by sight. And we fill the earth with the glory of God when we live by faith. And living by faith is glad at all times. Because faith, as defined by the scriptures, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Not what's happening, but of what is hoped for. Coming, guaranteed. And it is the conviction of things not seen. Oftentimes, I don't see the full picture. I don't see what's really going on. And so faith sees what the eyes don't see, and faith believes what's hoped for is more real than what is happening in the moment. And when I am exercising faith in what God has promised... I can be glad at all times, regardless of what's going on around me. See, it's ultimately about what we're convinced is real and what we're convinced is true. So if I'm going to not just be Psalm 18, rejoice when things are going, but first that's five, rejoice always. Uh, I first believe, I first know I know that every day is made by the Lord. That's, this is where it begins. What I believe about today. Now that comes straight from Psalm 118. This is the day which the Lord has made. And notice the connection. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Some of us have heard that verse so much, or maybe you sang a little song like that when you were young, and you haven't really thought that there is something, watch this, there is something that is to connect. Today was made by the Lord, and therefore I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. As if, if the day wasn't made by the Lord, then I wouldn't rejoice in it. Which would be true. Because it wouldn't exist. Because what day is the psalmist talking about when he says, this is the day the Lord has made? Today? Tomorrow? If, it, if tomorrow happens, that will be only because the Lord made it. See, think about how God 
fills every single day with eternal purpose. Sometimes we see it, many times we, we don't. Either we're blind to it or we see things that say, this isn't good. So you come home from work and you go, how was your day? It was bad. And, and this, this, this might catch your spouse and they may look at you like you're silly. How was today? That was the day the Lord made. So I'm rejoicing and being glad in it. That would be an act of faith, right, folks? You see, he said, let there be light, and there was light. That was quite the day, right? Rejoice in that one. But is today any less significant in the eternal purpose of God than that day? There's something I believe about every day when our creator God makes a day, he makes it for his purposes. I may not see it. I may not know it. I probably won't get it, but I am convinced of what I cannot see. I'm certain of what I hope for, and that that day, every day is Lord. So imagine the difference tomorrow if you really got up. And before you got up, you said, today, you made this day, Lord. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know who I'm going to meet. I don't know what's going to unfold. I don't know what's going to break. I don't know what's going to blow up. But we live in a fallen world, so probably something's going to break or blow up. Right? That would just change something in yourself right there. But if you began, this is the day you've made. And now faith I'm going to rejoice before it unfolds. What do we normally do? We climb in bed at the end of the day, and when we selectively pick the good things that happened that day, and we praise the Lord for them. That's called living by sight. And the act of faith is to be glad at all times. With what assurance? This is the day the Lord has made. That would change your Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, until next Sunday, if every day in those moments of like, ah, you went, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. May that ring in your ears this week. Morning, noon, afternoon, things break, stuff doesn't work. People don't show up for work. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I can rejoice always second knowing that my heavenly father does four things. He sees me. He knows me. He cares for me. And he values me above all creation. That's a pretty high worth. Now, as you write those things down, notice I said, my heavenly father, all of us get to call God creator. Only those who have trusted in his son get to call him father. But there are unique promises to his children that he says, I know what you need. I see what you need. And I care for you. Look at the birds there. Look at the flowers, the field, and know you're more valuable to me than they are. No no offense to the birds or the flowers. But creation unfolded the way it did. He created everything. He spoke it into existence. And then, then from what he created, he formed man. And into man and only into humankind did he breathe the breath of life, the breath of God who he had created in his image. You see, I can rejoice knowing that the Lord knows me, sees me, cares for me, and values me. Many of you have heard this verse before, but I want you to just meditate on this for a moment. Jesus said, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. He knows the number of hairs on your head. Is that phenomenal? Now, come on, folks. Seven seven billion people on the planet, and he knows the number of hairs on your head. I appreciated that verse more as a father of three teenage girls. Now, some of you may not know what I mean, but I didn't realize 
until I had three teenage girls, and they go, Dad, the, the, the shower's like clogged up. The water won't drain. And I'm thinking, I didn't get in there. What'd you put down it? And the very first time, I was like, okay, what'd they put down there? And I took the thing off and get my hanger, and I pull it out. You know what I pull out? This is a, yeah, you've been there. And they're like, ew, I know. And it's yours, not mine. I'm the one getting this out of here. And I pull that out, and I'm thinking, how are you not bald? <laughs> and six months later, it's still all here, but there's, it's all back there again. Is that... And seriously, now turn that theological and just ask yourself the question, how does he keep up? <laughs> Each one. That may sound silly. I don't think that's silly. I think that's an amazingly personal God who sees and knows. You know, that's, not a, that's not a powerful force that dwells in the distance. That's an intimate, personal God who knows what's going on in your life. And when you're tempted to think, God, don't you see? God, don't you care? Don't you know what we need? Hear this again. Oh, I know you so much so that I know how much hair fell out and how much hair remains. That's amazing. Rejoice in that he sees you, he knows you, and and what is the value He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all? How? How will he not also with him freely give us all things? You understand what that verse is saying? It's saying this. It's saying that we tend to think of the cross as a historical event, which it was, where God demonstrated his love for us by sending his son who was without sin and took our sin, our penalty, our punishment upon himself. He bore our punishment. He became sin so that we could be forgiven and saved. That's the gospel. He died, he's buried, and he rose again. And we tend to think of that is a historical event, which it was. But what this verse, don't miss this, what this verse is saying is that is not only a historical event, that is a daily, everyday reminder that if he did that, how will he not then every single day from then do everything and anything that is good for you? Who would give his son and then withhold something less? If he has given the highest and the best, it is proof daily. So don't let the gospel get old, folks. Don't let the gospel, don't let the cross get get old to you. Don't let it just be something that happened a long time ago that you're grateful for. Let it be the reminder to you today and tomorrow when, when you don't know what's going on and things don't seem to make sense. He loves me perfectly. He loves me fully. And not just once a long time ago. It's the reminder that he loved me so much then he would never, ever in any day from them love me less. You get it? Romans 8.32, a phenomenal daily reminder of the power, the current value of the cross and the love of God demonstrated for us in Jesus. So when we take the Lord's Supper, we're not just remembering an event a long time ago. We're remembering a current today truth. He won't withhold any good from me. So if he's not withholding good from me, be glad at all times. Rejoice in the Lord always. Third, I can rejoice always knowing that God is always working for the good of his children. He is always working for the good of his children. That is straight from Romans 8, 28, that says, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good. Don't miss this. We, we hope this, we think this, we wish this. We, we know. Listen, friends, if we know it, we rejoice always. And when we doubt it, we fret. And we move from hands to praise the Lord to fists that go, God, what are you doing? 
It's all about what we know. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. He is going. He is working all things for good. Faith is the confidence, the conviction of things not seen. I don't see how it's working for good, but I believe it. You see? I wouldn't hear Jackie and I were uh, gone last weekend. We had the privilege of spending Saturday, uh, Friday night and Saturday night over on the Gulf Coast uh, along the Gulf. R- really beautiful place. So we were like sapping every minute of it till we had to check out. And so we check out 11 o'clock last Sunday to head back to Jacksonville. And of course, you know, you never have to look at a map anymore. You're just a Siri, take me home. Beam me up, Scotty. That's kind of the new version of it. Siri, take me home. And so uh, she says back to me, go to Highway Blank and take a left. Oh, no, no. Sorry. Go to Highway, some number, Highway South, like 313 or something. And I'm thinking, maybe you don't know your geography, but I'm thinking, uh, I'm in a car, not a boat. And I'm on the golf coast on the panhandle. If I go south, Siri, you're taking me into the water. And I, that doesn't seem right. So I say, Jackie, you know, read me the rest of the directions. So she looks at him and she goes, yeah, you're supposed to go south and then you're going to go another mile and then you're going to go south for three miles again. And I'm thinking, that's wrong. So you know what I say? Show me the map. So she shows me the map. And sure enough, if I take the road south, not south, but the road south, and then I take the road south again, I'll end up 15 miles north. <laughs> I don't know who made that stupid signs, but it's, it's true. You had to go south twice to get 15 miles north. You didn't have to go south. You had to follow the, the highways south. Are you tracking with me? <laughs> because how many times have you said to the Lord, Lord, let me see the map. Because I don't know what you're doing right here, but this is, we're going the wrong direction. And you want to see the map. And he's gone. we live by faith. I don't show the map. I've revealed my love for you. I made today. And I value you. And I've promised I'd work for good. So just go south and believe you'll end up north. Isn't that weird? It's called trusting in the Lord. And when I can trust in the Lord and that, I can be glad at all times. Not because it makes sense, but because what I know about today, I know about me and what I know about him and how he works. So are you a Jags fan? Rough Sunday last week, right? If you're a Jags fan, uh, their $88 million hope lasted for 10 plays and then broke his collarbone. Coming from X-Ray, their quarterback, his name Nick Foles, says, it's unfortunate. (laughs) That's an understatement. As true fans, we're going, no! (laughs) It's unfortunate, but at the same time, I'm going to stay positive and trust the good Lord in this time. Now, Nick Foles in from Alabama, and that's not a, that's just not a, a, hey, I'm trusting the good Lord. That's a conviction, not a phrase. You trust the good theological belief, Lord, theological belief. Trust human response to theological conviction. Trust the good Lord in this time. Sometimes things don't happen like we expect them to. You can all amen that one, right? Everybody in here today, every single one of us can go, oh, well, this didn't happen, this didn't happen, didn't expect that, didn't expect that, wasn't looking for this, did not want that. I mean, whose world ends up exactly the way they had hoped for? Some things don't happen like we expect them to, but we just have to have faith that it's for a reason. Now, I don't know him, but I've heard enough about him that that's just not 
jargon, that that's a genuine expression of a man of faith in the midst of a time where you would go, this is not when you're glad. But when we believe that every day is the day the Lord has made, and we believe that he knows and sees and cares and values, and we believe that he is always working for good, then in the unexpected and what we might call as unfortunate or we might label as it was bad, we go, I can trust. And the evidence of my trust is be glad at all times. That glorifies God. You see what I'm saying? Be glad at all times is an act of faith that glorifies God. And when we grumble and complain and shake our fist at God and we're mad and kick things and scream and holler, it doesn't glorify the Lord because we're living by faith and not, I mean, we're living by sight and not by faith. This is not just theory. This is real, real testimony. That trials are necessary for learning endurance. And endurance is necessary for spiritual maturity. Trials are necessary for learning endurance, and endurance is necessary for spiritual maturity. In other words, as you just don't just fill in the blanks, recognize we all what we want, we all want what trials bring, we just don't want the trials. We want the outcomes, not the process, right? We're going, how do I clap the spiritual maturity class? How can I get the result without the trials? How do I get the growth without the rain? Wouldn't you like that? Wouldn't you like to have green grass but never rain? It's the way we want our lives. But trials are necessary for endurance, and endurance is necessary for spiritual maturity. Scripture says it twice. First, the brother of Jesus, consider it all joy. Be glad at all times, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Here's our word again. Do it what? Knowing. The assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. Trials are the friends that we're always trying to get rid of in our life because we don't see them as friends, we see them as enemies. But when would we rejoice and be glad at all times is when we would realize they're not my enemy. They're not against me. These trials are doing for me what nothing else can do. So you can learn about the Lord in here. You can go to Bible study. You can go to family group. You you can memorize scripture. There's lots of ways you can learn and grow. But there are some things that you'll never know about the Lord and you'll never grow in maturity until you get tested with fire. And we all like to clap, but we just can't. And when we realize he's not against me, he's for me, and this is resulting in good, I can rejoice always by faith. Paul says to the Romans, and not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations. Here's our word. What? Knowing knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance and perseverance, proven character and proven character, hope and hope does not disappoint. So we want to get here. We want to get to the place where we live with hope, but the only way you get to hope is through the path of tribulation and trial. And so we rejoice in it, knowing how God is using it. Can, you, can I give you a personal testimony from the scripture? Apostle Paul says, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations. In other words, the Apostle Paul uh, had things revealed to him by God in such supernatural ways like none other. He says, because of that, 
to keep me from exalting myself, for keeping me from pride, the big head, uh, there was given me a thorn in the flesh. Now, the scripture doesn't define what exactly the thorn in the flesh is. People have guessed all sorts of things. We don't need to know what it is. Just think, when you have a thorn in the flesh, what do you want to do with it? You know, you want to get it out. Even if it's the smallest splinter, so it's like, ah, ooh, get it out. And then you get, break it off, and you're like, hey, give me a twist. And, oh, needle, ah, you get it out, right? It's, it, it, you've got to get it out. Because as long as it stays in there, it hurts. So, he's got a thorn in the flesh. What's he do? He does exactly what we all do. Concerning this, I implored the Lord. Lord, send it away. Jesus, I'm believing you. Cast it out. I love you, Lord. You know I'm serving you. You see how much more I would serve you. Yeah, I don't know what everything he said, but he pleaded with God three times. What? Take it away. Take it away. Take it away. Because when you got pain, when you got trials, what do we want the God, God to do? We want him to take care of this stuff, Lord. Isn't that what you do? He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Which is a very polite no. My grace is sufficient for you for power. In other words, something more is going on here than you see. Power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, don't miss this conclusion. See, he learned something about from this thorn in the flesh about every hard thing in his life. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses, plural, not just this, but my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may, be, may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with, and now he names all its hard, weaknesses, insults, distresses, persecutions, difficulties for Christ's sake. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. You see how radically it transforms our perspective when we begin to believe some core essentials. I know this is the day the Lord has made. I know that he sees me, knows me, values me, and cares for me. And he couldn't more. It's proof in the sending of his son. And I know he's always working for good. These things that I want out of my life are actually... God's great gifts for me to learn, to discover him, and to know him. To personally experience that his strength is sufficient. And I wrote here, any circumstance, you could write yours. What's your heart? What's your distress? What's going on that you go, God, this is not the way I wrote the script. And go, ha, his strength is sufficient, even in my cancer. His strength is sufficient, even in my unemployment. His strength is sufficient, even though none of my kids are walking with Jesus. Say, I don't know. Unless I learn to live with the thorn. Not as an enemy but as a gift. I discover his grace and his strength is sufficient and it's actually perfected. God, God is glorified in my weakness. So my friend John Schneider, who is no longer with us, he's with the Lord. deeply impacted me because I saw him engage cancer like few ever have engaged cancer. I was most struck because he said, the day I found out I had cancer, I determined I would never say my battle with cancer. I said, why not? He said, because I'm certain that cancer is simply a tool that the Lord is using to lead me to spiritual maturity and the tool the Lord is using to open up conversations with other folks. And so why would I battle against the Lord? I got to tell you, I've never heard anybody approach it with that perspective. 
He believed it to the point that this was not a cute preacher thing or a cute cliche thing. He regularly would say, hey, I'm not dead yet. Everybody says I should be dead, but I'm not dead because God's not done. When God's done, then I'll be dead. But until then, he's growing me and he's using me. My platform is just cancer. It's not a battle. I mean, who thinks that way? Only people who have come to, to genuinely know. This is the day the Lord has created, has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it, even with a broken body that's failing. He sees me. He knows. And he cares for me. And he's declared it already, historically. 2,000 years ago, he set the standard of which he said, he'll never love me less than how he's loved me fully in Jesus. So he loves me today. And he's working for my good. He wasn't flippant. It was real. It was just real like I had never seen real in the face of what we all desperately don't want. Nobody wants the thorn in the flesh of cancer. He said, it's not my battle. It's the Lord. I'll be glad. He wasn't perfect. He wasn't glad always. But he was glad a lot more than I had ever seen somebody being glad in that. It's Paul's story. It's John's story. And from the land of the living, (laughs) I want to invite my friend Shirley to come on up for this reason. Shirley is one of our... uh, gifted worship leaders and has been so for a lot of years at the chapel. We're grateful for her, for her but it, it, it's easy to see someone leading in worship and think, oh, well, they're leading in worship because their life's all together and I'm not because mine isn't. I, I've had to catch myself when I've visited another church and they have all the perfect people on stage leading worship and to think, okay, don't believe that. that their lives are not all together. It just looks that way. But sometimes we think we worship because it's together and we don't worship because it's not. So as long as the Lord gives Shirley opportunity to lead you in worship, I want you to know the real, full story of her worship. Thank you. There was a time when you could have asked me what I thought my life would look like right now, at the age that I am right now. I would have said to you, I'll probably be slowing down a bit so I can spend more time with my husband and I'll have a close relationship with my daughter and her husband and I'll have many wonderful grandchildren, of course. It's easy to rejoice always when life goes your way, (laughs) but that's not the way it was for me. God had other plans. And actually, nothing went the way that I thought it was going to go. I have no husband. I have no relationship with my daughter. I have no son-in-law. I have no grandchildren. And instead of slowing down a bit, I think I work as hard as ever. Now, some of you are probably sitting out there. You may be thinking, wow, (laughs) I feel bad. I feel bad for her. Don't. Don't. You don't don't need to. You don't need to because I'm good. (laughs) And it's not a put on. The Lord has filled me with his joy. And actually, I think I'm more content and satisfied in him now than I ever was. I can't explain it. Doesn't make sense. All I can tell you is that my my joy has absolutely nothing to do with my circumstances. Nothing. And that's a good thing. When my husband died suddenly 12 years ago, God's word was my greatest source of comfort. 
I hid in the book of Psalms. It was my rock. I hid behind it. And when my daughter took a sharp turn away from God and away from everyone who loved her, the Lord comforted me. And I can rejoice because he's not finished with her yet, and I'm praying for a miracle. And even though I don't have an earthly husband, I have the Lord. He is my husband, and he has lovingly cared for all my needs. Now, I had to learn to rejoice always. It didn't come naturally. And I learned to rejoice always in the hard. You see, there, there was a time I know I would have despaired. I know I would have fallen into the depths of depression had it not been that I purposefully tasted and saw the goodness of the Lord. There was a time when I just wanted to be invisible. I was willing to serve, just not up on the stage where all of you could see me. Thankfully, many people prayed for me. I kept my eyes on Christ. I stayed in his word, and I trusted him for the future. And I'm still trusting him for the future. And he is so faithful. And I trust his plan. I love him, and I trust his plan for my life. He lets me. I get to lead all of you in worship every week here on staff at the church, and I get to play the piano and accompany classical voice students at the university, and I get to teach piano to kids of all ages, and I have the privilege of serving as one of the counselors at the Hope Center and one of the faculty with the discipleship training. My life is full. There's nothing boring about it. And God has filled me with his joy and peace more than you can imagine. As the rest of the team, the band, come up and join me on stage, I want to ask you, as a step of faith, as an act of faith and trust in the Lord, would you please sing, sing this song with us? Thank you. Let's go. 
gifts of God is that what's going on around us does not have to determine what goes on in us, that it can be coming unglued and seemingly headed south and not north externally, but to declare it's well with my soul internally. That is the, the act of faith. And I want you to know as Shirley leads you in worship week in and week out, it's worshiping not because her life is the way she expected it, but because she knows who loves her, who makes today, and how he works. And in the process, Shirley, the Lord has given you actually many children and many grandchildren spiritually, seriously, of which... She's been set free to give herself to because of how the Lord has worked. So I don't know what it is in your life that's keeping you potentially from not being uh, at rest and still in your soul. But I would invite you to, by faith, trust in the one who loves you perfectly. And when the Disciples got back from their first short-term mission trip. They were super pumped about how God had used them and the power of the gospel and the, the power of God at work through them. And, and they're telling Jesus about it, and he's rejoicing with them. But then he says something that first might seem like he's raining on their parade. He says, nevertheless, don't rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you. Yeah, casting out demons is fine, but here's what you rejoice in that your names are recorded in heaven. Why that? Because this may change. In other words, sometimes ministry is super fruitful and super fun, and sometimes it's super hard and not fun at all. But you know what can never be taken from you? When you're in the Father's hands, you can't be taken out. When your sin is forgiven, it can't be counted against you. And so uh, every day, regardless of what's going on on the outside, whether it's happening the way you anticipated or not, we can rejoice and be glad at all times because he has forgiven me fully. Our names are recorded in heaven. And because he recorded them by his grace and not by my works, then that salvation of my forgiven, my sins being forgiven fully, it's made secure by him. Don't miss that. Our salvation is secured by a faithful God even when we are faithless. He's the faithful one. And so Jesus says, at the end of the day, be glad in this. Rejoice always in this. That I love you. And I will never forsake you. I will never fail you. And I'll never let you go. See, joy in the Lord is ultimately knowing the love of God. And so... That was established historically some 2,000 years ago when Jesus, who was without sin, became sin for us. It's true every single day today. So I want to invite the men to come forward now. And they're going to pass the elements of what we call the Lord's Supper, a piece of unleavened cracker and a cup of juice. They are the reminders of the body of Jesus and the blood of Jesus. They are ultimately the reminder of the love of God that will never fail you and never be taken from you. 
So as they pass these and you take the elements, we'll take them together. But remember and know the Lord, your rock, redeemer, your savior died, buried, and rose again on your behalf. I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate me from the love of God. Proof? It's in your hands. He who did not withhold his son how will he will not also freely give you all thanks? This is the measure of the depth and the breadth of the love of God for you. The foundation upon which you would, in the trifle and in the big, that you would go, I am glad in the Lord at all times. Let's take remembering the love of God. stand and let's declare together what we know and believe about our rock and our redeemer. Oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. 
a song that makes you want to dance, yes? But then I remember the words, in the darkness I'll dance. So that's just remember that. That's where I should dance, in the darkness. <laughs> the commands of the Lord are not burdensome. In other words, I don't want you to go out here and go, I know I'm supposed to rejoice always and be glad at all times. Now I want you, I want you to go out going, I have the incredible privilege of knowing and being known by the God who makes today and loves me and sees me and is working for my good, I have the privilege to rejoice and be glad at all times because he loves me fully and perfectly and could not love me more. I'd be a fool to complain to a God who loves me so well. Nothing's going to change potentially on your outside than from when you walked in these doors. But I trust something has changed in here uh, that you've been reminded. Maybe you didn't hear anything new, but you've been reminded this morning. I know him. He knows me. He loves me. He's faithful. He's working. Thank you, Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. And you know what you find? Strength. That's what we just declared. There is strength in giving him praise. So when you feel weak, 
Do the opposite of what you feel and give him praise and you'll find strength in the Lord. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. And may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Declare it with me. Faithful is he who calls us and he also will bring it to pass. God bless.